Welcome to In Context. This is a podcast hosted by Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. My name is Keith Knight. I'm one of the pastors here at Stonebridge Church. I'm joined today by Brandon Levering, also one of the pastors here. Yes, and we are excited to uh, to be back to doing this on the regular, and we are also excited to be back and meeting in our worship center. If you are listening and you're not part of our church, um, just a backstory here, and you may have heard of us talk talking about it at some point, but uh, we. Uh, encountered COVID, and so we were we had to shut down our worship center for a while mm-hmm. there. And then once things started opening up a little bit in the summer, last summer, um, we started meeting in again together. And uh, here in Iowa, we experienced a derecho, which Look is it up. <laughs> crazy. It's like a hurricane inland and um, uh, wrecked our building pretty good. And we have been out of our sanctuary for eight months. It was, it was almost full eight months. Yes, which is crazy. So we're just finally back in our sanctuary. We were meeting at other churches for a short period of time. We were meeting in yards at part of the time when the weather was nice. We were um, meeting in our gym slash fellowship hall of our church building, which is very much, much smaller than our worship center. But now we're back. And uh, it's been good. It's been so good. It's been good to be back. And on Palm Sunday. I mean... I honestly was not prepared for the emotional reaction I had. That I don't morning. know that anybody else was prepared for your emotional reaction. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is an emotional thing, and and um, it does the question that that kind of comes up today that we're we're gonna field. And again, part of the background for this too is we've as we've been back in our building post Easter, we've started into a series on what is the church and and what are some markers of Mm -hmm. the church? What is the church supposed to look like? How is the church supposed to function? How do we roll? Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so uh, we feel like it's a good time for us to revisit this, but part of what comes along with that is is the gathering. Like we we have sort of slipped into a, a season of culture where we're so connected online mm-hmm. and because of COVID and, you know, even here because of COVID and derecho, when you're displaced um, or not able to meet together, you meet virtually. Yeah. But at some point meeting virtually in some ways actually becomes way better because there's, you spend less time. Yeah. It right? feels it's freer. It can feel absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, Everybody's experiencing this, and, sure. and what an incredible grace it's been to have something like a live stream that right. enabled us to connect when we couldn't be together uh, physically during the the first COVID shutdown, and when we couldn't be together physically during the you know the storm aftermath. Um, so it's been a gift. The question I think a lot of people are wrestling with, um, or at least I, I I hear a lot of people wrestling with, is is that gift the new normal hmm. or is that seasonal like right now that things are are lord willing continuing to open up now that we're back in our building it's really nice to roll out of bed put my slippers on grab my coffee and open my phone and go to church mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. can i keep doing that should i keep doing right. that um what if i'm not ready yet relative to the COVID pandemic. And we just want it. So we thought, let's just put this question on the table and talk sure. about it. Yeah. Um, how do we think through this, biblically speaking, in the context of Scripture, the context of the doctrine of the church, um, to answer that question of, uh, is in-person gathering a necessary part? Uh, uh, and are there exceptions? And what are those exceptions? Right. Um, to this is where we're going to run into 
you know, this podcast is called In Context. And just to remind everybody, the reason we call it In Context is because every issue that we talk about, we want to look at in context of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Issues like this become a little bit harder because you are dealing one of the, you know, when, as we come to the Bible, and we've talked about this before, it's not bound by the time that it was written down in, but you certainly have to get through yep. what it was saying to the original audience yep. before you make the jump to how do we apply yep. this now. And when you get to technology, that's very difficult because yeah. they didn't have the option of live streaming. Yes. Oh, we're, we're being persecuted. I'm going to stay in the house today and we'll we'll just log on Zoom so that nobody knows where we're going. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, totally. I mean, so you don't have that option. So, okay, biblically speaking, taking some of these things into account and, and not just biblically from what does scripture prescribe maybe, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. like what are we told anthropologically? Mm-hmm. How are people designed to function yep. and how are Christians designed to, fu- de- designed to function yeah. in, in the new life as new people? that will give us some insight into understanding what is the value of the gathered church now in this time, right? Yeah. So where do we start here? Well, I mean, it, it's easy to start with some of the disclaimers and provisos. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's good because the reality is um, there are folks who want nothing more than to be able to gather in person. Right. And for, for whom, very you know, for various reasons— that's just not a good idea. Right. And the temptation then is to think that because I'm not there, I'm less of a Christian mm-hmm. or I'm missing out and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there are exceptions to that rule. Some of them are just plain obvious and, and are not new at all. You know, uh, We've had shut-ins for exactly, forever. Elderly right. or, yeah. or ill who, who just cannot physically get around or should not get around. I mean, that's just an obvious reason. There are some people whose professions, um, uh, you cannot get out of working on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have your rotation or whatever it is. Right. And so there are times where that's just going to be there. There are family vacations, you know. Uh, there are reasons where it's totally legitimate to not be at a church on a Sunday. Right. And folks should not feel guilted or shamed. Um, and, and with the pandemic, I think, you know, as much as things feel like they're opening up, it's not gone. And there are people in high-risk categories um, who, in consulting with their doctors and, and family members and whatever, or people who are caretakers for those in high-risk categories, they're just not ready yet. And that's okay. And so, you know, I wanted to get those provisos out of the way. Right. Because in talking about the rule, those who fall into the exception can really feel displaced or marginalized or left out. Um, if the rule is gather in person, you know, you're not a second class citizen of the church if that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my second proviso to that. And, and I'm obviously playing my cards already. I, I do think the rule is in person. But for those who can't come to us, the church needs to make special effort to go to them. Right. That in person still matters. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we talk about um, that more as we go. But I, I think the provisos, I want to get those out. I don't want anyone thinking that I'm somehow, um, you know, because I'm caring for my elderly grandma or something like that who's in a high-risk category, hasn't been able to be vaccinated or whatever, mm-hmm. um, now everybody's going to judge me because I'm not there. That That's not the tone or, or, or posture we want to take. Right. And we're also dealing with this, this is not a new problem in that not only are there people that have not been able to come or those extenuating circumstances, 
if you look at most of the studies, we also deal with a culture where it's increasingly um, common for mm. people to just drop in whenever. Mm. You know, it, yeah. there's there's no real mitigating circumstances that keep them from coming other than, you know, hey, I'm busy or I'm tired. I just don't want to go it's today. Nice you know, I made fishing. it mm-hmm. two weeks ago, and as long as I, I go mm. next week. or So there's an increasing... Uh, one of the most recent studies, I think, was the drop in church membership. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw any of that, but yeah, just this idea that um, for some people, it's just that in person's just not as important. And so, where we need to where we need to really fix and focus is, you know, are there scriptures that definitively tell us, hey, Christians should be meeting yeah. together? Obviously, the first one. I mean, I think of Hebrews take chapter us there. 10. Come on. Well, Hebrews chapter 10, right? And in the context of uh, a lot that's <laughs> that's going on here, but just in terms of the full assurance of faith, you know, is kind of the, the topic of this. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through um, 25 more specifically. You know, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, the new and living way he opened through the curtain, through his flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So one baseline is, now there's not specifics, but this is talking about the full assurance that we have of faith in the new way of Christ. And this is a community context. This is not an individualistic. And that's, we know that because of the context of the scripture. So part of being able to live in that full assurance of faith as believers is you can't do it on your own. You you don't have the option of bailing out. You can't be like, I'll show up when I feel like showing up because you first have to consider it's not just, not only is it not just about you getting something, you actually may be keeping someone else from receiving encouragement as, as each day goes by without your presence yeah. there. So it is important for every Christian to understand that it's not just what's going on with you or yeah. how you not feel. Not just what you need, it's right. that we need you Correct. too. Absolutely. Correct. Like something yeah. is missing when you're not there. Absolutely. If you're a part of that community, something is missing when you're not there. That's And that's, uh, biblically speaking, how do we grow in our assurance? Mm-hmm. We spend time together as believers. Yeah. I mean, that that's a mutual encouragement and edification. So that is commanded in Scripture. Hey, let's not forsake mm-hmm. this. Um, some are doing this, yeah. you know, yeah. the author I've, says. But mm-hmm. let's, let's not be those people. So right there off the top, is there Scripture that says we need to be assembling together? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. at least one of them, the primary yeah. one that we would probably yeah. lean into. What el- what else do you see? I think of 1 Corinthians 11, mm-hmm. uh, and even kind of 12 through 14, but there's an assumption, a working assumption, that the church comes together. It right. keeps using that verb, when you come together mm-hmm. as a church, mm-hmm. uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 17, mm-hmm. or 18. And, uh, and when you come together, when you come together. And and even making a contrast to, you know, when they're coming together, he's, he's in the, this is the passage where he's rebuking them for for misusing the lord's table (laughs) right and uh, when they come together they are making a mockery of it because some are getting drunk and fat and others are you know being neglected and left out and so he makes this distinction do you not have houses to eat and drink in Mm -hmm. like there's a scattered and a gathered context for the local church and there's something special in coming together. There's something expected, regular. Even the meaning of the word church, ecclesia. Right. You know, it, 
we, you break it into the into the Greek roots and it's called out. But it, that's not just called out from the world. You go back to the Hebrew Bible, the word kahal, mm-hmm. that's assembly. And mm-hmm. so the, the calling out is the, the, the dude who calls out with his voice to assemble together. Right. And so the word itself means assembly, gathering. Right. So there is no church if there is no gathering, biblically speaking. And again, there's exceptions, all those kinds of provisos. But the norm is the in-person gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when when something is important to you, you gather together with people of a like mind. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. want to take the, the sort of the opposite spectrum, the opposite side of the spectrum of a lot of what's been happening and even happening now again in Minneapolis, when mm-hmm. when people want to take a stand against something that they feel is unjust, they gather together, right? They're, they're gathering yeah. together to make a statement. And we understand that when we see somebody protesting or like when we see a big assembly of people or a rally or something mm-hmm. like that, we understand there's something going on there that's semi-transcendent and it brings together all sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Well, there should be no group more passionate about gathering together with a single purpose than the church. And yeah. so a lot of it is is there is a, a latent sort of transcendent power in the church gathering together to make much of God yeah. together. And so when we forsake that um, and kind of slink back into that individualism, we are actually trying to function against our yeah. new life in Christ, yeah. right? So, and, and you brought up the anthropological side of it, too, earlier. Just mm-hmm. the fact that um, we are embodied souls. Right. Like, there's something tangible, physical. Like our, We're our, not avatars. Yeah, right. we're not avatars. We are not uh, sparks trapped in a, in a human <laughs> cage or prison or something like that, or a corporal prison. Right. Um, and, and the goodness of that embodiment of that embodied humanity you see it in creation but you see it ultimately in the incarnation jesus didn't just come spiritually he came physically and so that embodied presence with each other mm-hmm. and and it's not to say and this is where you know some of the questions are well, well i i might connect better with people online and right. be able to be more honest and real with them and so um, you know, h- how do I juggle and balance those things? It's not to say that that a mediated engagement is not real, right? Right. So by mediated, I mean you're relating to somebody through a medium of some sort, a letter, uh, a, a, a Twitter feed, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Zoom, whatever. Right. They had mediated relationships in, in the Bible. You sure. know, when Paul couldn't be with the church, he wrote a letter to them. Right. And he, and he talked about how I'm even though I can't be there, I'm absent in body, I'm with you in spirit. Right. And yet, in those same breaths, he always wrote, yet I long to see you and be right. with you. Right. Like he, he, you know, he, there's, there's real relationship that happens through technology. Right. But it's, at the end of the day, it's not quite the same. Um, and just one personal story on that. This last weekend, I had a chance to go down to Texas and officiate a wedding for a, a young man that I mentored back in the day when we lived in Massachusetts. And I got to see in person friends I had not seen, some of them for eight years. Mm-hmm. And it was like we just kept talking about how good this mm-hmm. is, how joyful this mm-hmm. is. And, you know, after we boarded our separate planes, we were texting back and forth, you know, keeping that relationship going. Right. But most of our texts were, that was so, I'm so full. <laughs> this was so good. Right. You know, right. there's just something unique according to God's design about being together in person. Right. And that's, that's uh, you know, to back to the anthropological thing, you mentioned you know, I feel like it can be more real 
part of the joy of the gathered church, right, and having brothers and sisters in mm-hmm. Christ that you have communion with is um, I do, we, we make too much of this, well, I don't feel like I can be myself around them. Mm-hmm. And, like, if we're honest with ourselves and our sinfulness, I don't know that I would want to truly be my full self around <laughs> anybody. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if everybody, if you peeled back everything that's going on in your life and the, the nastiest, dirtiest corners of your sinful heart, mm-hmm. you don't really want anybody to see that. Like yeah. there's a shame that's kind of associated with that. But the place in which that's supposed to be dealt with is yeah. within the within the uh, the safety of the church. The yeah. church, the gathered church, should be the safest place yes. to meet together, understanding that everybody in that gathering in that room has struggled with the same mm-hmm. types of sinfulness, the same types of waywardness, the same shame, the same disappointment, the same disillusionment. Yeah. And so when you get together, you lift your eyes to the one who transcends all that mm-hmm. and to the Savior mm-hmm. who has who has conquered yeah. all that. Yeah. And you know, that marries together with what we talked about um, in our podcast on liturgy, too, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. when we get together— it should be deliberately getting together to draw our eyes to yeah. God, but that we encourage each other yeah. as we're doing it. So part of that That's anthropologically good. is being able to say to other people, like, yeah, yeah, I, I get the, there are times where you have to meet digitally. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I still don't think there's as much full disclosure digitally as we as we mm-hmm. pretend that there is. Yeah. Because some people will be like, I can really be myself on social media. Very few people are actually themselves yeah. on social yeah. media, it's, and if you spend projection. five minutes yeah. with them, that's you. You see that to be true, yeah. and of your that's own good. self. What do I want to put on social media when I put something on there? Even when people are doing this, this sad post about just peeling back to show you all the nasty stuff in my life, you don't even know if that's real. <laughs> really, I mean, yeah. like, so how do you really know who yeah. someone is if you're never? Yeah in proximity in physical proximity with that person yeah. do you really really know someone yeah and I, I you know there's two things that come to mind from from you saying that one is the importance of churches therefore creating a gospel culture and sure. not just having a gospel message right you know it, it's easy to have all the right doctrine and be absolute jerks and, and <laughs> condemning and shaming and so on and so some of that right. I can be myself online, but not when I gather. Maybe a call to examine our own culture as churches, and right. are, we, are we actually living out the grace, and and or are we creating a culture of performance? Right. The other thing that comes to mind, as you mentioned, the the connection with what we talked about with liturgy. I wonder if part of the temptation to snuggle into my to my blanket and my coffee mug at home rather than come gather with the people is that. Continue, continued um, understanding of worship as a primarily individual experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as just as we might when we're in the gathered church, be kind of uh, thinking, of focused, you know, mainly on my own personal connection with God, which is why the music has to be this kind and not right. that kind, and right. so on and so forth. Right. Well, if, if that's the if that's my posture toward worship, that it's just a bunch of individuals connecting with God in the same room, why be in the same room? Right. Why do I have to right? be in that room? And so that mm-hmm. whole sense of corporate worship, you know, reclaiming that, I think, is part of the conversation of not just, um, you know, uh, yeah. There's a, there's a relational component. There's also that there's a corporate component in what God intended and designed for worship. Right. And and some people, 
some people when they when you get them talking on this, if you dig a little bit deeper, they'll be like, well, you know, the way that the church functions now in our culture is not the way that the church functioned back in Acts. And Mm -hmm. my response to that is always like, do you want to function the way that the church (laughs) functioned back in Acts? Because you think this is taking your time now. Like what happens when it's, and they gathered every day for fellowship and meals and, and that type of standardized few years ago, year, it was years ago, it was in a time in my life where things were very, very hectic and I was kind of on my own, you know, at the time with two, uh, th- three very small kids and uh, the life group that I was in at the time, I remember a period of two weeks where I spent 13 out of 14 days hanging out with mm. pe- these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I've ever experienced that much, like, care. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that was the closest I think I've seen to what it may have actually been like. But you feel really connected. You feel yeah. like if I needed anything at any moment, these people would be mm. here for me. And mm-hmm. so I think what what happens is is the same thing with, I forget who had the quote, like, um, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It, is, it has been not basically not tried. Yeah. Right? And that, yeah. th- this idea that, like, we don't want to set a lower bar Mm -hmm. like we want to set a higher bar so it is it is true that some people may kind of have this disillusionment like why are things why did it seem like we're just getting together you know and nobody really is really connecting it'd be great if we function like the church in acts you're right but not coming together at all is not going to be the way to get there exactly and that's that's it's a bad it's a bad approach if you don't like something if you think something should change the way to to deal with it is not to stop doing it Mm -hmm. and and i think to the you know related to what you're talking about with Acts, if my expectation is that everything the church is to be must happen in one hour Sunday morning, then I'm going to be an extremely disillusioned member of the church. Sure. Like yeah. all of the community, all of the relationship, all of the life sharing, all of, you know, we got to cram and the worship and the right. word and we've got to cram all of that into 60, 75, let's be honest, 75 minutes on Sunday morning. Of course you're going to be disillusioned. But that's 75 minutes on Sunday, yeah. that one out of what, however many hours there are in the week, is not meant to hang all of that weight on. There's something unique about the gathered worship under the Word, lifting our voices in praise, right. that recenters us and sets our hearts, perspectives, postures mm-hmm. for being the church every day of the week. Right. And, and I think that, too, maybe creates this, uh, some of the confusion in our brains. Because, you know, connecting Sunday morning is not the only relational or in-person connection sure. that right. we can or should have. Right. And right? Scripture, we don't see that either. Like, that's yeah. why, that's the, the point in Acts is, like, yes, they were getting together in very formal, there were formal gatherings and informal gatherings. Yeah, yeah. Um, living in close proximity. Yeah. When yeah. you just, when you just said that, the illustration that immediately popped up into my mind and probably over half of our listeners aren't even going to appreciate this, but <laughs> I always refuse to watch the Joss Whedon version of the Justice League <laughs> because I just saw so many things that were so bad. Mm-hmm. But I did watch the Zack Snyder version, yes. which is like over four hours long. Mm-hmm. The original, And what you found out is when you try to pack too much in a very mm-hmm. small, in a very small um, time window, you you just feel so disappointed because all your expectations of what should be happening in that yeah get, trying to pack it into a real small window yeah. you're just like oh this is so bad but then when you have the time to see the full scope you're like oh this is actually yeah. pretty cool and that's that's where my mind went it's like oh yeah now i understand that because i think 
primarily sometimes in movie categories. But that's that's a, that's a really good point that we should think about more deeply. If you're disappointed because you're coming away from your your in-person church services feeling like you didn't get what you think should have been happening there, maybe the problem is not it's not you know living up to the expectation. Maybe the problem is your expectation is not realistic. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's you have to look in the longer form. Yeah. Like over time, what's actually happening here, yeah. and then what's happening between the Sundays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we are still recovering from a commodity uh, Christendom mm. understanding of gathered worship, where I go, I receive my religious good and service. And then I go for the week, and I read the Bible, and I see church is supposed to be so much more. And um, yeah, there, there's all sorts of things that you know culturally we need to unlearn, and it, that also doesn't mean that we can't continue to grow in in what we do with our gather. Which, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is exactly what we're attempting to do: right. is, is uh, reorient our gathered worship along the contours of the gospel that we make much of God together as a corporate body. Um, so, but yeah. So um, maybe to get dangerously practical, uh, <laughs> what are... It's a loaded, it's a this, loaded this phrase. Is da- yeah, and I say dangerous because this could totally blow up and backfire. It's okay. But I'm just thinking, you know, We've talked about there's a rule and there are exceptions. All right, so what are legitimate reasons for not coming on a Sunday morning? And what are some, you know, a little more shaky reasons for not coming? Oh, there's so much ground to cover there. I mean, <laughs> I I think legitimate—I mean, obviously legitimate reasons would be health mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah, but again, you've said it. Don't want to belabor the point. COVID really messed everything up, yeah, and especially yeah. at the beginning. And for, for quite a while, I don't think anybody really knew what we were dealing mm-hmm. with. I do think with vaccines and such right now, I, I think there's a there's some weirdness still with people saying, no, no, we're not there yet. Feels like we should be scientifically. We're, we're kind of closer mm-hmm. than where we were. So I feel like some of that, there's, there's more relaxation in terms of coming back to some level of normal, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but if it's sickness, and again, there have been shut-ins the, the entire history of the church, people who can't make it, who are bound at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously sickness, um, travel, work. Mm-hmm. If you have a job that like requires you to work um, on Sundays, like there are other options. There are life group options mm-hmm. you know, for you. There's still an availability for you to meet with the people of God and to practice community. Yeah. So, And hopefully that work schedule is for a season and not for all time. I'd say if you can find a way to get into a different schedule in which they will allow you to, Mm -hmm. to at least attend a service. Um, I think those are some, some pretty, um, Mm -hmm. safe reasons that you could say, like, I I can't make it there. And there's going to be understanding about that. Some of the stuff that's definitively like when people are like, um, well, I can worship, you know, I can worship on the fishing boat. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you not, I mean, you can you can uh, you can look at the creation and give God glory for the creation. I don't think I would say that you can worship by the definition of the biblical. Not if gathered you're talking church. about gathered worship. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, and again, we want to reiterate: like this is not about like trying to poke holes in the things that you like to do, and when you have time to do it. What I'm saying is, we have to stop thinking about gathered worship as this is for me. 
Mm-hmm. So when you come in and everything during that service is, I don't like this. I don't like how they did this. I don't like how they did this. This feels weird. I'm not going to do this. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to come back next week. The problem is not the church. The problem is you. <laughs> yeah. You're the, pr- I mean, you are the problem. You need to ask God for, for grace and mercy for your heart to change because that's a terrible way to look at the gathered church yeah. from a consumeristic perspective. Yeah. So if you're, if you're not coming simply because there are parts of that service you really don't pr- care to take part in and it would just be easier for you to stay at home that's not valid yeah it's just not valid and and you know there could be wounded but woundedness behind some of those things or different, sure yeah you know, so so again there's always going to be exceptions i get it but if that's the case find a family that you know but it but here's what often happens with that is when i when i make myself kind of the final judge and arbiter of what happens on a sunday morning and whether it's valid and, and valuable you're going to leave every church eventually. Oh, for sure. And, and I yeah. know families like that. You know, yeah. I grew up in a small town, and there's a family I was friends with. They literally left every Bible-preaching church, yeah. church in the county right. over the span of 10 years. Right. Because, you know, and so, so I do think it's a good cause for introspection to ask, all right, um, am I, is my doctrine of church healthy here? <laughs> am I being consumeristic? Um, absolutely. So what are some other things then? What's what would not be what I mean, would yeah. we say is danger? Let, danger let's just zone? let's just you know, I, I think if if comfort and convenience are my driving values in deciding whether or not to get up and, and gather with God's people, I'd say that's a lame reason. Mm-hmm. I, it's not to say that maybe you're in a, there's a time when you're exhausted or something like that. Again, personal health matters, but that's not usually like if you would skip work for that, then maybe skip church for that. Mm. Um, mm. But if you wouldn't skip work for that, why is gathering under the gospel with the people of God less important yeah. than, you know? So I think that that's one obvious factor, that if comfort and convenience is my driving value, yeah. um, I think that's a shaky ground. Yeah, prioritization. Mm-hmm. It, the church has become non-essential to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and and here, let, and, you know, let's be honest again. Like, So we're not strict Sabbatarians uh, under right. the New Testament in right. my own understanding of that. Um, it's the one of the the one of the Ten Commandments that's not reiterated, right. yet the Sabbath principle remains. Sure. You see the, the early church applying that by gathering on the Lord's Day, Sunday, right. instead of Saturday, the right. Sabbath. Um, but what's the point of gathering of you know one day a week well i'm building my schedule around the lord's pattern right like mm-hmm. he's the center of the universe and mm-hmm. so that becomes the anchor or the pivot point mm-hmm. around which all of my life revolves mm-hmm. uh, because he's that valuable and he's the lord of all of it yeah. and so when i make that optional I, I'm, I'm preparing the way to make many things of God optional, right. um, and so I just I just think it's a it's a lost value um, that the church desperately needs to regain. Um, you know, I think you know while we're swatting the bee's nest, uh, I think kids <laughs> kids sports are another lame reason. I'm glad miss, you said that to one. miss church. I'm glad you said that. It's <laughs> like I was like, let him say it, let him say um, it, and. And again, we, we struggle with this, right? So yeah, when, sure. we, when we lived in New England, Joshua, our, our oldest, was part of a cross-country track team. Mm-hmm. And every single meet was scheduled Sunday mornings. Yeah. And so we're like, great. And we didn't know that when we signed him up for it. Right. So we're like, 
right, he's going to practice three times a week. Are we going to deprive him of the opportunity to actually compete when he's putting all of this? And so we wrestled with that, and we decided, all right, we're going we're gonna to let him. There was like six meets or uh, five meets. We're like, we're going to let him do two, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want him to be able to compete, um, but we're not going to completely miss a month and a half of church right. for this. Right. And it was hard, but we, you know, it, it, it's so interesting to see how many parents, um, you know, empty nest parents look at their kids who grow up, go out, go to college, stop going to church mm-hmm. and kind of like, what did we do wrong or why aren't they going to church? But if you go back on the schedule, you weren't going to church when they were in the home either. Yeah. You right. Know, so right. often, like we have... We're not teaching them that value that no God is the mo- the priority and and again there's there's hard that's a hard thing how do you navigate that how do you work around that that requires honest conversations with coaches right. it requires honest conversations with kids setting expectations in advance yeah uh, it's not easy to navigate but it is so critical and and I don't think it's healthy to take three months uh, a time off of church um, right. Well, it's prioritization. Yeah, it is. It is prioritization, and your kids will see right through that. Um, if you are right, if if you are not emphasizing to your children, we are part of a gathered community that is called out, and we live differently than the world. Okay, mm-hmm. they are not going to believe that's true if you drop church before you drop anything else yeah. there are so many areas of our life that we will not fudge on because we are absolutely sure that we're going to end up paying for it if we do mm-hmm. for some reason there are a lot of people who are like hey i'm a christian but they just don't make that a priority yeah. your kids even if they love god by his grace as they grow older they will certainly be deformed in terms of how they interact with other people mm-hmm. there will be a latent selfishness there in which they think the whole world is going to revolve around what they want to do and they will yeah. not most in most cases outside of the grace of God will not they've not been taught to be a fully functioning member yeah right it's one one of the reasons too why all cards on the table our desire around here is to to up the game at least at our church we want to see um, children as visible in worship Mm -hmm. services we want them to be in the service children are important in services we want babies crying we want Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. wriggling children in there but they because they're experiencing something that we do believe is transcendent Baseball is not transcendent. Basketball is not transcendent. Although my dad would have said, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Soccer, not transcendent. Show choir, not transcendent. What is transcendent is the gathered people of God. If we know anything from Scripture, if you look at any time that God's presence is filling the temple or uh, God's presence is filling uh, the throne room of heaven, and people are gathered around. All through Scripture, we see these big emphases on gatherings, people around the mm-hmm. throne crying mm-hmm. out. This will be our eternal reality is a giant gathered, mm-hmm. you know, eternal, you know, worshiping the king in the new creation in the new heaven. So why we would think that this world is like a stop-off point for us to do whatever we want to do yeah. but have some sort of coherence, it, it's just disconnected at, yeah. at best, and it starts. It's, it's a theological issue, but I... I'm, I know I sound like I'm harping on this, but working in youth ministry for such a long time, I will tell you, there is so much more. You may you may pray with your kids at home. You may do devotions at home. You may be faithful to, to tell them the gospel at home. If you are not prioritizing the gathering of God's people and you are taking in like giant swaths of time, there is going to be some spiritual deformation yeah. that happens in those yeah. kids. Yeah. It's inevitable. And 
for all of us too. You know, Correct, because we all miss out. Yeah, right. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I don't want to oversell it in the sense of well, as long as you get to church on Sunday, your Christian life right. is going. That you doesn't know, fix it, everything. Yeah, you know, the way I think of it, it is a necessary but not sufficient part of the Christian life. It's right. necessary. Right. It's not optional. Right. Again, exceptions, but. But it's not sufficient in that it's the only, as long as you do this one thing, right. everything's going to work out. Again, right. the we just belaboring a point we made earlier, the Christian yeah. life is more than just the gathered community, right. but it is not less than that. And, Correct. And I, I think our, our culture um, and our evangelical culture today, and again, some of this is, is going back to some of the church growth movement stuff for the last few decades of... Uh, win them with whatever Mm -hmm. well when we become the target market uh sphere or Mm -hmm. or or, um market segment i forget the exact terminology uh we're going to then filter everything Mm -hmm. as though you know and Mm -hmm. and i think that's led to a lot of the deformity as you described it earlier right yeah and so i guess cascading um if we were to kind of sum it up the, the way to determine, I mean, I think there's a, there would be um, a way in which determining, okay, what, what is valid for me? If I'm mm-hmm. thinking I'm not going to go, what is valid? And I guess we would land in saying like, obviously if it's a season that the Lord has put in your life in which like either physically or work-wise or situationally for a time, it's unpleasant, but you have to endure that. But if it's an opt in mm-hmm. i'm i'm electing to take this mm-hmm. much time off to pursue something that mm-hmm. i you know i think might be valuable i guess we would say you need to maybe reevaluate your values mm-hmm. and and we would ask you to really strongly consider and, and again seek scripture on this yeah what is the what is the point yeah. of the gathered church and and if you're not sure you're legit like man maybe i've been thinking i'm not sure talk to other christians For about sure. it talk mm-hmm. to you know, whether it's pastors, life group leaders, like don't feel like you've got to discern that on your own. Um, Because I don't want people with legitimate concerns living in shame because they feel, you know, they want to be Mm -hmm. there, but they can't or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want, um, I don't want to encourage something I think that is spiritually unhealthy. Correct. And that is remaining apart from the body unnecessarily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, this we is, went there, man. This is, we did. This is a, and this is a big topic, and and um, we would encourage you guys again, like Brandon just said, um, especially if you're, you're a member of our church here, you're a tender of our church, and you have questions about this. Like, there's obviously tons and tons of nuance in here, and the ultimate thing that we want you to land on too, and this is going to sound weird, the ultimate thing that we want to land on is not even saying like, well, we want you to do what's going to be really good for you spiritually. Ultimately, I want you to do what's going to be glorifying to God. Brandon wants you to do mm-hmm. we as a as a as pastors here. We want you to do what's going to be glorifying to God yeah. predominantly. And even if you don't feel like it's, quote unquote, benefiting you directly. The, the operating mode of like, does this benefit me directly? is so counter counter mm-hmm. Christian. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't get that in scripture. So like what we would tell you is we don't want you to do this because it's going to make your life better. Yeah. We want you to do this because it's honoring to God. And we want all of us to look at it from the perspective of like, 
what is what role do I play in the gathering of this local church mm-hmm. that's going to build up the church and honor the Lord? Yeah. That's the question yes. that we should be asking. Yeah. And if whatever is keeping us from doing that um, is probably sinful mm. at its root and, and needs to be dealt with. But what better place to deal with our sin than in the context of the community of people yeah. who have been forgiven yeah. by, by Christ? So, yeah. you know, so. Um, for what it's worth, but we'd love to hear um, what what questions you might have pursuant to this. And uh, but we're gonna we're gonna shut it down for right now before we uh, kick any other bees nests. <laughs> but um, thanks for spending time with us today, and yeah. uh, we're we're happy to uh, meet back with you next week uh, with a new topic related to ecclesiology. Until then, we'll see you.